right, so let's talk about this issue of security or insecurity. Nikolai Wedekin, who's been with us for years, he's part of our church here at, at K2 The Church. Um, pretty interesting, right, to hear a guy who's given his life for our security here. But even in that situation for him, waking up in a normal morning, right, it's just going to be another day, just another operation, having breakfast with his buddies. This, this kind of mission they're going to go on doesn't seem it's going to be intense at, at all. And then in a moment, everything shifts. And Nikolai realizes, even with what he's doing, he finally hits it at home, how fragile that life really is. What it's interesting is, he says, what, so what matters for him is how prepared was he, right? And it wasn't just the military preparation. It was just the character preparation. It was the stuff inside of his heart that would get him ready for a day that was unlike any day that he was expecting. Now, that's out in Afghanistan, but we know now here in America that could also be Orlando. That right now, in our own country today, there every day, people are waking up, you and I, right, just like us, get up this morning, you just have breakfast, you're hanging out with your family, you go to school, go to a shopping center, go to work, and the next thing you know, it's a completely different day than you've expected. So in our election today, if you've been looking at the polls, four out of the top six concerns that people have in this, in this new election deal with the issue of security. Number two on the list is terrorism. Number three is foreign policy. Number five is gun control. And number six is immigration, where people are nervous about who are we letting into our country and are we going to be safe with that. So let's just take, let's, let me just kind of set up why we're going to talk about this message today. Here's some glo current global reality. Deaths from terrorism globally increased 80% from last year. 80%. With a report that only 69 countries didn't actually have a terrorist incident within them. The intensity of terrorism, terrorism increased with the number of countries suffering more than 500 deaths from terrorist acts, more than doubling from five countries to 11. Terrorism is, is at an all-time high. Battle deaths from conflict are at a 25-year high, and the number of refugees and displaced people are at a level not seen in 60 years. In fact, the number of refugees and displaced persons increased dramatically over the, over the decade, doubling from 2007 to 2015 to approximately 60 million people. 60 million people in our world have had to leave their homes because of conflict. So let's bring it home, right? Let's bring it now within our own borders and talk about a current national reality. In preparation for this message, right, I, I've just been going to a news, you know, just looking up the news every day. It was pretty crazy. September 21st in Hesperia, California, a high school student has 33 names of students and staff that he wants to shoot, and he has a detailed plan in how he's going to do it. September 23rd in Burlington, Washington, a gunman opened fire in a crowded mall north of Seattle, killing three people, critically wounding another. Same day, September 23rd, Athens, Tennessee. An angry worker storms into a factory, kills two of his bosses before turning the gun on himself. September 26th, Houston, Texas. 
A man dressed in a vintage military uniform, emblazoned with a Nazi symbol and toting a Tommy gun and a handgun, unleashed fur a fury of bullets excuse me, near a Houston shopping center on a Monday, injuring nine people before he was shot dead by police. September 28th in Townville, South Carolina, a teenager shot and killed his father Wednesday before opening fire on a nearby elementary school playground, injuring two students and a teacher. That's just, that's one week <laughs> right here in our own country. And so that's part of what our reality is now. And it doesn't matter if you're going to school, you just might go shopping or you might go to work tomorrow. And there's a, this reality happening. So the FBI, I don't know if you noticed, they released kind of the, 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 the year-long 2015 reports. Violent crime across the U.S. jumped 3.9% in 2015, adding that the number of murders reported by local law enforcement agencies was up 10.8%. So, in the last 12 months, there have been 15 mass shootings, bombings, or terrorist attacks in the United States, resulting in 166 being injured and 93 deaths. So maybe that's why four out of the top six concerns are when we're looking at our next president, we're saying, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this new current reality that those of us are growing up with? So if you check them out, they're talking about strengthening relationships with current allies, preventing Iran from acquiring a nuclear weapon, standing up to Vladimir Putin, holding China accountable, have a they have a, to have a real plan for confronting terrorists and specifically ISIS. They have different positions on the strength of our military, immigration laws and refugee policies, gun violence prevention, and policies on privately owned firearms. That's what we're talking about here. So it's interesting because Every time there's an election, it really does elicit, I would almost call, an instinctive response within human beings where immediately you start thinking about the future, right? Because here's what we know. In, in less than a month here, things are going to change. And we're going to put new, we've, we've lived in a certain way for the last four years. We're going to put someone else in office and something is going to change. Now, and I will say this though, I, I don't know in my 51 years in this country, have I ever seen an election elicit more concern or fear for our future? And, and, uh, and, 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 and that's, that's just a reality. You can see it everywhere. So here's the question. Coming up in our future, can you, can I actually be secure? Is there a security that we can have. Now it's interesting, not only are we having all this political stuff going on, but now we have Hurricane Matthew, right? <laughs> Who's shown up on the scene. My sister texted us last night. She actually lives in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. It's right on the border of, of, northern, of the northern part of North Carolina. And she texted us and she said, Dave, this is the first time ever that Elizabeth City was mentioned in the national news. Because Matthew is coming right at them. So she was asking us to pray, right? Because they're expecting 14 inches of rain and 50, 60 mile an hour winds and who's, who knows what's going to happen. So here's what's interesting, right? They know Matthew's coming, right? So when you know that a hurricane is coming, what do you do? Man, you, you buck her down, right? You do everything that you can to be as secure as possible. Now, I wonder if that's just kind of a natural picture for how many of us are feeling, it kind of feels like a storm is coming. 
And so if a storm's coming, how do you bunker down? How do you actually make yourself secure so when the winds actually blow, you don't shake? Because everything around you doesn't feel that way. It feels like possibly everything's kind of shaking around us. How do I live in a way that I don't shake? Well, today, we're going to look at Psalm 16. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Psalm 16. Or you can grab your phone, put it up there if you want. Uh, We have a K2 app as well if you have that. All my notes and scripture will be on that. So Psalm 16 is written by David. Right? David uh, lived a very interesting life, quite a diverse life. He was the youngest son. His dad didn't even think he was worthy when Samuel came to say, well, you know, one of your sons is supposed to be appointed king. He di- his dad didn't even have him show up. <laughs> kind of the runt of the litter, right? He was the youngest son, so he was a shepherd. He was a servant of the king. He was a warrior, great warrior. David was also a refugee. He experienced that. He was a man after God's own heart, and he was a pretty good sinner, too, at the same time. And he was the king. And here's what's interesting. The Psalms, when you read the Bible, when you get to the Psalms, they help our head connect with our heart. That's what they do. I I just want to encourage you, whenever you're going through a really dark time or confusing time, one of the best places you can go in the Bible is go to the Psalms and read it. And it'll help you address the emotion that you're feeling and get the faith that happens. What you'll see in the Psalms, there are incredibly honest struggles, very honest, with life, honest struggles with God, just like Nikolai had. In fact, there was stuff we couldn't put up on the screen, you know, of him being honest about his struggles with God in the midst of a life that was so uncertain. But also, with the honest struggles, there's amazing declarations, courageous declarations of faith and hope in the midst of the dark times. Why I love the Psalms is they don't deny what you feel, but they take you to a deeper place so that you can deal with whatever you're going through. And my hope for today is that any of you who maybe are walking in here feeling a little bit shaky inside about our future is that you will find, I believe this with all my heart, that God would love for every one of us to walk out of here today feeling very secure. God's will for you is that you can absolutely be secure. And so if you're new, if you're visiting, came with a friend or are checking out, what does God have to say? What does Christianity have to say about very uncertain times? I'm really glad you're here. And then secondly, though, I also, for those of us who claim faith in God, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, my hope for us today is going, come on! <laughs> what, are, what are we doing? What, where is our faith? Where is the hope? Where is the strength? And where is, where is our belief in this God that we claim to have? And my hope is that every one of you who, who are Christians, who, have, who would claim that you know Jesus Christ, is that you would walk out of here with an absolute security that's yours, that the world needs right now. Amazing opportunity for us to be in the world, living in the world, as broken and as messed up as it seems, absolutely secure. Okay, y'all ready for this? All right, so let me pray, and then I'll read Psalm 16. Here we go. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for your presence in this room. Thanks for revealing to us 
truth that can give us hope no matter what we're going through. And here's, here's again, the reality is, God, you are so aware of every heart in this room. You know what we're thinking about. You know what we're concerned about. And I just pray right now that you would meet every person in their deepest part of their soul and that you would lead us to a life that you would help every one of us live a life that in a world that seems like it's shaking, we will not be shaken. Give us that grace today, and I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. So, now, just so you guys know, I, I went through this. I, I, I pulled out the original Hebrew language, and I was looking at all this stuff. So I, I took the New International Version and the New Living Translation, and I've kind of mixed them. So you're going to read your probably Bible and go, hey, that didn't say that, but that's why, okay? Because there were sp specific words I feel like really communicate this well. So here we go. Psalm 16. Keep me safe, O oh God. How's that sound? <laughs> There we are. Come on, God, keep us safe. For I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. And apart from you, I have no good thing. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance and my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you've given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Therefore, my heart is glad, and I rejoice my body also will rest secure, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence and with pleasures of living with you forever. All right. I am so grateful for this psalm. By the way, I'm just going to confess, man. Like months ago, right, when everything started to kind of form, um, I was one of those people who said, man, I'm just moving to Canada. How many of you said that? How many said you were going to move to Canada? All right. You know, the problem with moving to Canada is if I go to Canada, I, I end up in Canada. And that means I take my heart with me. <laughs> See, that's not going to help. What, what Canada's going to have all their act together, right? Where are you going to put your hope and your trust? How can you live secure no matter where you're at? Because I tell you what, man, brothers and sisters all around the world are in a much more difficult place than we are right now. And many of them are deeply secure. So here we go. Here's what David said. I'm going to, that last verse, 11, he says three things, and we're going to unpack it in this psalm. Number one, he says there is a secure path. There is a secure path. There is a secure way. There is a way. In verse 11, he says, God, you make known to me the path of life. So in the midst of him crying out, right, to be saved, and God, please rescue me and, and make me safe, he knows that in the midst of that type of situation, there actually is a path that leads to life. Now, Jesus, right, so Jesus said this. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He goes, I'm it. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he was born into the heart of the Roman Empire. 
And this is really important for us to understand. He was born during the time of Caesar Augustus, who was the, who was the emperor, but in that area of Judea, King Herod was the one who ruled. Now, if you know anything about King Herod at all, that dude had a complex. He was so scared. He was always worried that somebody was going to go against him. He did a lot of good things as a ruler, but he was messed up inside. He actually had his wife executed, two of his sons, and his brother-in-law because he thought they were conspiring against him. Do you think we're doing a little bit better here in America than what Jesus, Jesus was born under a ruler who at any moment could say, I think you're against me, boom, you're off the planet. And I love the fact that that's when Jesus Christ was born. Right when Herod heard that the, when the Magi came to him, right, Christmas story, and the Magi come to Herod and they, tell, they ask him, could you tell us where the king of the Jews is going to be born? He's like, whoa, 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 I'm the king of the Jews. Who are you talking about? And then he says, hey, well, why don't you guys go worship him and then tell me where he is? And so they know, they get a dream and they're like, hey, we're not supposed to go back. They bail on that plan. Herod freaks out, finds out, that there's prophetic word that says the king of the Jews is going to be born in Bethlehem. So what does he do? He has all the boys, two and years old and younger, executed. Anybody feel a little bit better living in America? This was his culture. Now, under Roman rule, there was really, really high taxation to provide for their expansion, to provide for all of their architecture, right? You can see the buildings still exist today. The Roman Empire was huge, but to do everything that they wanted to do with all the opulence that they wanted to have, they taxed people extremely high to the point where there really only were rich and poor. And most accounts say that 97% of the population lived in some sort of poverty, so all of you in the middle class feeling a little bit better about being in America? See, Jesus grew up under this oppression. He grew up with this type of poor. Now, what's interesting is he also grew up, Rome was so strong at this point that they didn't really have to worry about foreign countries coming in and taking over. It was actually safe in that way. But within the country, it was chaos. There were constant revolts being led. And they were being led by zealots, is what they were called. Now here's what's interesting. So Jesus comes on the scene in the midst of a really corrupt empire, totally messed up, with no, no uh, value of life. And in the middle of that, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Let me show you how to do this. So what he does is he decides to get 12 guys around him right, to live. Now, I have always thought this is hilarious because what it says, the Bible says, that Jesus prayed all night long before he chose the 12. I think that's because he was arguing with his dad all night long, saying, are you serious? You want me to choose these guys? Dad, you know, this will be a mess. Why? Because you're asking me to choose Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. All the Jews hate tax collectors. They wrap, these are the guys who are stealing and robbing them of all their money and making them poor. And then not only do you want me to have Matthew, you want me to have Simon. And Simon's a zealot. Every, that's what he's called, Simon the Zealot. Everybody knows that he has, he has fire in his belly to take down Rome. So you want me to have Matthew who's helping Rome and Simon who's trying to tear down Rome and bring them all together. Great plan, Dad. 
But here's why I think God said, Jesus, Jesus, I want you to bring everybody into your circle of 12. Because I think what he's saying to you today is I don't care if you're Democratic, I don't care if you're Republican, I don't care if you're independent, I don't care if you want to take down the government, I don't care if you wear red, wet, and blue every single day. God is saying to every one of you in this room, there's a path for you. And it leads to life. And zealots can find it. And tax collectors can find it. And traders can find it. And simple fishermen can find it. All right? So, here's what David says in verse 7. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have a hard time sleeping at night, it's usually because I'm stressed. Anybody else? When I'm more stressed, it's amazing how often I'll wake up. I'll wake up on the hour sometimes if I'm stressed out. One of the most encouraging things to me is King David, that dude must have been stressed. Because when you read the Psalms, he's up all the time at night. He's always talking about how God instructs me at night. I, all through the watches of the night, I think about my God. But here's what I'm realizing is in the midst of his angst. So if you're feeling angst, David too is always in angst. But he learned that when he is stressed out and worried and fearful, that even then, and maybe mostly then, God instructs him in the path that leads to life. You can feel the shaking inside of you and receive guidance and instruction to be strong and firm. Now, obviously this morning, I am not going to be able to go into all of what that path of life looks like, but I'm going to share with you the key to the whole thing. That if you want to walk into 2016 and 17 and the years beyond, into a way of life, a path that will me help you to be secure inside. Here's the key. In verse 2, David says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. And apart from you, he says, I have no good thing. What's he saying there? What David is saying is, I put God above everything else in my life. And that is the key right there. So David is just saying, I make you Lord. I'm telling you, Lord, you are Lord. The truth and what he's saying, then he says, nothing apart from God. So in other words, separate from God, nothing else actually ends up good. Why, why is that? Well, because God's ways actually lead to life. And when you find, follow them, they really are best for your soul. They're best for everyone around you when you walk in God's ways. They actually are the thing that make relationships work in this life. So then two verses later, he says this. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. Really? Why would that be? Why do troubles multiply if I have other gods? If I don't make the Lord my God? but pursue these other things. Well, the first question we have to ask is, what is a God? It is, and everybody has one, gods are things that we look to and put our trust in. We put our hope in them. We somehow believe that if we make these things, whatever they are, or these people, whatever they are, the most important thing in our life, they're what's going to satisfy us. They're what's going to secure us. 
They're what's gonna protect us and give us. And here's another big one. They're what give, they are the things that we believe if we have them and if we're devoted to them and give our lives to them, they'll actually give us our value and our, sustain, our esteem and our strength inside. So we have tons of these gods. Work is one of these gods. Tied with that money is one of those gods. We believe if I get that job, if I can climb that ladder, ladder if I have that position, then somehow that thing right there helps me to know that I matter. It gives me my security. It fulfills me. And so sometimes it's people. Some of us are going, man, if I could just get married, if I could find the right person, then I would finally be satisfied and fulfilled. That's no pressure on you, by the way, if you're the person they're looking for. Because then the other half of us are going, oh, if I could just get divorced, right? Because if I could just find the right person and they would be the one who would satisfy me. So here's the question. Why does David say, people who chase after other gods find that their troubles multiply? It's because almost all those gods have one thing at the center of them. You know what it is? It's you. Every one of those things that we look for to be our God is something that we think is going to be best for us. So our heart is in trouble because all of those things can be gone in a second. You can lose your job. The economy can tank, which is what we're going to look at next week because that's the number one concern everybody has. Why are we so concerned about it? Well, because if I don't have money, because if I don't have opportunity, then I'm going to be less of a person. I'm going to be unfulfilled. Really, is that a God of yours then? If it is, you're going to fall into trouble. Here's what I'm saying. If you make a person a God, that you're looking to them, if you're looking to your health, if you're looking to anything else, you are setting yourself up for trouble. Because at some point, they're going to fail you. And at some point, they're going to let you down. And at some point, many times, they just disappear. Here's what the Bible says, you guys. There is one secure path that actually leads to life. And that is when you have no other gods before you. What was the first commandment? <laughs> Remember those ten? God said, here's a, number one. You shall have no other gods before me. It's the most loving thing that God could ever tell a human being. You know what's interesting? God is the only one, if you put him at the top, that finally rescues you from making yourself the center of your own world. Everything else feeds your, sens your central self. You're still the center of what you're all about and it messes everything up. But when God gets there, he rescues you from that. And you finally find there's something greater that sets you free. That is the path that leads to life. And I'm telling you, you'll be able to walk into this next season and no matter what happens, no matter what you might lose or no matter what you might gain, you have no idea your heart can be secure if God is your God. Tim Keller, pastor in New York, he says, he just calls them disordered loves. It's not wrong to love your spouse, of course, your children. It's not, even, it's not wrong to love your job. 
But when it gets disordered, when it gets up to the top, that's when things get sticky. That's when we start shaking inside because we might lose the American dream. And you might. Are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? With God, you could be okay. I love it. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. It's Hebrews 12, 28. We, as Christians, when you receive God, you receive him as your king, and it and he cannot be shaken. That's the path that leads to life. Okay, number two. So we have a secure path moving forward. Number two, we can have a secure presence. A secure presence moving forward. In that verse 11, David says, you fill me with joy in your presence. This is good news, you guys. See, this is what many of our brothers and sisters around the world in Syria and some of the places of extreme conflict and terrorism, many of them in China and all over the place, they, they still have joy. How in the world did David have joy when he's crying out for God to keep him safe? He goes, I have joy in your presence. And so in Psalm 16, 5, he goes on, he says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance. You are my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. See, so what is David saying? He's asking us, what do, he's, what do I have when everything is shaking around me, when I'm crying out to be safe, what do I have? And David's like, I've got God. He is my inheritance. Another, another term is portion. He is what, I, he is inside of my very heart. And then he goes on, and God, you guard all that is mine, but what is David's? God. He's like, you know what? And I just want to tell you, this is so important for those of you who are checking out what Christianity is. It, you guys, I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but some stuff just needs to be pounded into our hearts. Christianity is not going to church. It is not trying to be a good person. It is not following a bunch of rules. That stuff will kill you. Not going to church. Keep coming. But... <laughs> no, but, but, but trying to gain some sort of personal righteousness or personal goodness so that God might bless you, that will drive you insane. Christianity is when you humbly lay yourself before God and say, God, I can't follow you. <laughs> I can't. I need you to rescue me from myself. And then he says, as soon as you admit that you don't follow God and that you sin against him, and that you believe in Jesus Christ. He goes, I will come. I will wipe away your sin. And he goes, and when I do, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you and you will never be the same again. Here's what Christianity is. Christianity is when you receive Christ and his spirit joins your spirit and you are transformed forever. And I need to say that again because some of you guys go to church and you call yourself Christians, but you never sense God's presence. That's what life is, is when you know him. Okay? That's so important to understand here. That's what David had, is he knew that. Look at this in verse 8. He goes, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. And then look at this. I will not be shaken. Why? Because he is right beside me. How cool is that? 
Now, you know what's great? We even have it better than that. Because he's not just right beside us now. He's actually in us. It's a whole new experience. And I want to tell you, man, when you get filled with the Spirit of God and God who's over everything, who's sovereign over everything, is it's inside of you, all of a sudden you have a supernatural peace that you can't muster up yourself. You have a joy that comes from God that David had where he could rejoice. You have strength inside of you to be able to go on. And it's not yours, it's him. So the first thing, I just got two questions for you here on this one. Number one, do you have the presence of God inside of you? Have you ever made that decision? I'm telling you, there's such a difference bet between knowing that there's a God who exists and having that God actually be inside here. And if you don't know him, and if he's not in present inside you, yeah, my guess is you're going to shake. But now, Christian, come on, man. Come on! What are we doing here? See, this is what I know. It's so true. There's so many things I know that I don't believe. You guys know, you know, you know what I'm saying? There's lots that I know in the Bible, but I don't actually believe it because I can say, well, I know God's with me, but I don't live like it because I'm so afraid and I'm so scared and I want to move to Canada and I'm ah! What in the world? Here, here's what I know. I'm a Christian who doesn't believe. Because if I know the truth, then God is inside of me. Well, you know that verse? Look at that verse. He goes, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Let me ask you, what are your eyes on today? What are you doing? You get up every morning and read Fox News or CNN, depending on whatever side you're on. What, what, are, you, what are you looking to? Because I, if your eyes are on, what, on oh, the debate tonight, okay, we'll get our answers on the debate tonight. Um, seriously? So that's what you're going to fix your eyes on. Well, good luck. Shake away. Or... Do you fix your eyes on Jesus? Hebrews 12 says, so that you won't grow weary or lose heart. I'm telling you, man, when you become a Christian, the very Spirit of God is inside of you. When I'm shaking, here's where I go. Romans chapter 8. You guys know I've, I've pound this one too. But look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? There's our list. Come on, is that going to separate you from the love of Christ? Are you going to know that God loves you and is with you? Or is this stuff right here going to make you shake? And then he goes on, he says, no, man, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, now listen to this, that neither death nor life, neither death nor life, whether you wake up in the morning and have a normal day, or whether you wake up in the morning and happen to be the ones who went to the wrong shopping center on that day, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, present or the future, that you're all freaking out about, right? The future, none of those things, nor any power, no power, no Democratic power, no Republican power, no Hillary Clinton power, no Donald Trump power, no Putin power, no Chinese power, no ISIS power, no power. 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ. Do you know that? And I just want to say to all of us Christians, come on! No, I'm serious. The world's shaking and they're looking at the church and we, don't, we aren't bringing them squat. We need to be those who have God inside of us. And because he is, I will not be shaken because he's loving me. Man, Westminster Catechism, here's what it says. What is my one comfort in life and in death? What's yours? What's your comfort in life or in death? They say, here it is, that I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when David can say, it's good. God, please save me. But you're good. Okay? You can have a secure path and you can have a secure presence. Here's the last one. He says you can have a secure pleasure. This is so good. You and I can have a secure pleasure. In verse 11, he says, God, you fill me with pleasures of living with you forever. Right, what's our Declaration of Independence say? It says that there are certain inalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of? Oh, we're so American. <laughs> what does unalienable mean? It means they are unable to be taken away. Oh, come on now. What are you scared of? I think we're scared of the fact that these rights might be taken away. That all of a sudden we're not going to be able to pursue happiness. This is the fear of our future. Now, and again, there's many in the world today who've already had these taken away. And yet they still feel secure. But here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what God wants to tell us today. There is, no matter what happens, an eternal security of pleasure. There's an eternal security of pleasure. Look what he says in verse 9. Therefore, David goes, my heart is glad and I rejoice and my body will rest secure. How many of you, you know, this, this month leading up and no matter who gets in office, how many of you want to be glad and rejoice and rest secure? Well, uh, I mean, that's what we want, right? How can you do that? For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Here's what David knew. He didn't know, by the way, if he was going to live or die. He didn't know. But he was able to be glad and rejoiced and rest secure because he knew that God would fill him with pleasures of living with him forever. So you guys, we did a whole series on heaven earlier this year. And part of the reason we did that is because we knew that we were going to start shaking. And we wanted to give you a chance to remind you that every one of us is our life down here is going to be gone in a second and lift our eyes to our eternal destiny. I want to encourage every one of you, man, you can go back and watch that whole series. It's on our website, podcast. If you don't have the security of heaven, and knowing that once you get there, it will be eternal pleasures forever. Then you need that. 
Because if your whole hope is in this life and in this world and in some president giving us a chance to have a security of pleasure, you're in trouble. Look at what Peter says. He goes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into, I love this, into a living hope. See, because again, when you receive Christ, that's born again, that's what, you know, that, that, it's kind of a funky term, I know, but Jesus said, that's what happens. Spiritually, you start all over. It's like you're a new person inside your soul. And when that happens, when you have that new birth of God's spirit inside of you, you have a living hope. No matter what's going to happen through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, the fact that Jesus died and then rose again helps us all to know, oh my gosh, there's something after this. There really is. There's, this is so short and this is eternal. What's your hope in, man? Is your hope in this world where Jesus said, believe me, you're going to have troubles in this world? Or is your hope knowing that no, no matter what happens, that on that day, because of the resurrection of Christ and because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me, I'm eternally secure and I'm going to rise up with him. He goes, you have this, verse 4, and into an inheritance, oh, this is good, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. See, we're freaking out because we think what I put my hope in and my trust in could fade. It could spoil. It could be taken away. Well, then put it in something that can't. And he goes, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's safe there. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Now, don't, don't misunderstand this. God's power doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be the next person at your school, worker, or shopping center to go. Jesus died <laughs> early. 33. His disciples were all killed. It doesn't, God's power shielding you doesn't mean that you're going to be safe from all the harm of this world. But what it means is he will shield you through his power. Your heart can be secure. Your mind can know your salvation. Your hope is a living hope in eternity where it cannot be taken away from me. So go ahead, man. Take away my rights. Take away my pursuit of happiness. Take away whatever happens in this country. You can't take away what I live for. You can't take away Jesus, man. You can't take away my eternal security in heaven. And any other God, you're going to have troubles because they could be taken away. He's the only one who can't. So here's what we don't know. We don't know if we'll be safe at the shopping center or work or school. You just don't. We don't know how close terrorism is gonna hit inside of our borders. We don't know what our relationship with Russia or China or North Korea, Korea is gonna produce. We don't know if we're going to make it home on the freeway today, by the way. <laughs> How many of you know that? Come on, man, we don't got security at all. Like Nikolai realized, man, we're fragile. Come on, man, what is your security in? We can be secure in all that we don't know. If we follow his path and have no other gods before him, if we put God in his rightful place, then our heart can be secure. We can be secure if we live in his presence and we receive his peace and his joy and his strength and his love and his hope that he goes, oh, don't be afraid, I am with you. You can live in that presence and you can be secure when you know that forever you're gonna live with pleasures 
at his right hand. I'm so psyched. Aren't you guys excited? Come on, man. We get to walk out of here and live no matter what happens. That is good news. All right? So here's what we're going to do, man. We're going to close this day. And we're going to sing. And some of you are going, I don't sing. You know what's cool? David, warrior king, slains tens of thousands, king of all kings. He couldn't help, he just couldn't help but sing, man. You know why? Here's what's important. Worship is super important. Because you know what worship is? Psalms. You know what psalms are, right? Psalms are songs. That's why it helps your head and your heart connect. Music is a gift that takes what's going on in here and it matches it with up here. And you can put your heart and your mind together. And, you can, and here's what I do when I worship. I'm just thinking, you know what, God? You are and nothing else is. All week long, man, we get tempted to put our trust in all these other gods, and on Sunday, we gather again, and we worship him because we gotta put him back in his rightful place and remind us, no, you have no I have no other gods before you. I'm so tempted to. But worship is when you sing that, and you declare it, and you feel it, and you think it, and you will it to be true. I'm choosing you, God, today. Now here's the deal, our first song is a new song. And I know those are, and by the way, if you're just visiting here at K2, you're not gonna know any of these songs. And, I, and that's really hard to sing. I, I'm a pastor and I go to other churches and they do songs I don't know, I'm like, I can't sing. So don't worry about it if you don't wanna sing. Seriously, don't worry about it. Then take the words though, meditate on them. Let them get to the deeper part of your being. But let's sing to him. And, so in the, and we're going to take our offering right now. Why is this so important to take the offering? Because Jesus said, where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is. See, so if you put all of your treasure into your home or to, into work or to, to all the pleasures of life, all these things that could be gone in a second, and that's where your heart is, you're just causing your heart. You're setting your heart up for trouble. But he says, if where you put your treasure is there, it's where your heart is. So when you give your treasure back to God, what you're finally saying to God is, you are my God. You're more important than my home. You're more important than the American dream. You're more important than anything. And then when your heart follows that treasure and everything else falls apart, it's solid and it's secure. This is a very, very important moment. If you're visiting, don't worry about it. If you don't follow Christ, don't worry about it. Man, if you're a Christian, get your heart right. Get it solid. Get it secure. Get it where it belongs. All right? And man, this song, this first one, it's a brand new one for all of us. Soak it in as long as you can, but it's pretty easy to start singing. It's the Westminster Catechism. What is my one comfort in life and in death? It is I belong to Him no matter what. All right? Let's stand. Let's worship and let's let God be our strength. Here we go.